This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. The following episode is powered by Sennheiser, the future of audio. Uh, hello, my name is Jason Robinson. I'm director of marketing for the North Atlantic District with UPS. And what I love about material. Material is made out of so many different products, so many different things. You've got all the way from textiles to machinery to nuts and bolts, uh, little tiny pieces of, of fake trees and everything else. Material is, is in everything, right? It's made all over the world and it has to be made and transported and moved. And there is a, a complexity to that, to that movement, that is what really draws me to. And when I think about material, I think about how does that happen? How does that process happen within a supply chain and move from point A to point B and go from a manufacturing process to a final end consumer? And then even from that point, what happens to it at the end of its life cycle, right, from a recycle perspective? So that's what I love about material. In today's competitive environment, a package getting to its destination safely and on time can be a live or die moment for your business. Materials that never get to the manufacturer can become useless. But how can we get faster and more efficient while keeping our eye on sustainability, safety, and the environment? In this episode, you'll hear Jason Robinson discuss how UPS has a focus on this exact mission. And you'll discover battery-powered vehicles, drones, how the data that UPS gathers can help businesses on both sides of the shipment grow and succeed, and why Orion is the tech solution you never knew you needed. This is Material Is Your Business, a podcast covering the science, technology, and business of materials and manufacturing. Produced by Mouth Media Network. Powered by Sennheiser. Your hosts for this episode are Stephanie Benedetto and Samantha Cortez. Here are your hosts. Hi, Jason. Hello. How are you? Good, thank you. Thank you so much for being here. You got it. Thanks for having me. So North Atlantic District Director of Marketing, I think that just shows kind of how big and, and massive UPS really is. Can you tell us a little bit of what that means and what you do in that role? Yeah, it sounds much bigger than it, than it really is. Actually, this, uh, this district that we call the North Atlantic District is actually geographically one of the smallest districts that we've got in the United States, although from a size of like the amount of volume that comes out of this area and the density of the population, it is the teetering on the first or the largest district from that perspective in the U.S., so what do you do as the director of marketing for that district? Well, it's a good question. It is not a traditional marketing role. Our traditional marketing role is handled out of our corporate office in Atlanta, right? They deal with all the digital and social and brand and all of those things. Um, the way that we do marketing at the district level is I've, I've got a team of about 22 people um, that serve in different functions. And my, my primary functions are eight segment managers that work for me. Um, and they are aligned vertically by industry. So each one of them is assigned a specific industry, and their role is to become as subject matter experts as possible within that industry. Uh, so apparel and consumer goods, for example, I've got three people actually that handle that because that industry is very large in this district. Um, New York, of course. Uh, and then I've got healthcare, high tech, professional services. Um, and then you've got some fulfillment house things as well. So how did you become a master in all of that? Obviously, there's a lot to shipping and logistics, and, and what, what brought you to this? 
Um, <laughs> I, I kind of fell into it. I, I basically kind of I grew up at UPS is what I what I say. I started two weeks out of high school, uh, loading and unloading boxes in a trailer. So and then just worked my way up and was into sales and got into our pricing. I was in our solutions group and just became very customer facing. Um, and then we actually the the role that I'm in didn't exist prior to 2010. So we launched this role to be more customer-centric and industry-centric um, so that we could provide the solutions that we provide to our customers based on their specific needs, challenges, pain points, so on. So from loading and unloading boxes to obviously this kind of a role, what was it about this business and this industry and this company that moved you to stay with it? We don't see people staying that long anymore with one company. It, yeah, it, it, that is um, very unique to the culture of UPS. UPS is 110 years old. Um, most of the people that are at UPS, including the service providers, the drivers, management, um, are are 10 plus years. Um, I, I'll sit in a, in, a, in a meeting and I'll be the youngest guy in there from a years of service perspective, and I've got 26 years of service. Wow. So, but you, what did you love about it? Um, it, it you know, I just, I guess from where I came from, um, it, it was, it grounded me, you know, coming out of high school, I was, I was kind of rebellious to some extent and going there kind of helped me ground myself with some security and jobs. And then, uh, and then I also saw a, a very good, um, upward mobility and, and breadth within the company. I mean, it's basically anything you want to do in the business world, you can do at UPS because you've got every single possible department, finance, human resources, you've got sales, you've got technology, um, operations. You could, you could basically do anything you want. Scrolling up the ladder, um, what was your best jobs? What did you like the most? Uh, at UPS? Yes. That is a very good question. Um, my favorite position was probably my customer solutions position. So I did that, and that, that is where I go in with an account manager to an existing customer or a customer that we want to be a customer, right, that we want to partner with. Uh, and my role at that time was to look at different technologies that we provide and how we can integrate that customer to make their operation more efficient. So how do we integrate their CRM system into the shipping system so that they're not hand keying every single order and having to manually process everything, right? And then you also can branch out into there into warehouse management, um, how, how products are picked, packed. Um, Was that because of the face-to-face? -face? Oh, yeah. Well, face-to-face -face and then the, just the sheer breadth of uh, the different types and the diversity of companies that you get to go and interact with was I mean, it's it's across the entire board is what was really unique about that position. And I also learned uh, and developed a ton in that position as well. That made you much stronger in UPS. Oh, absolutely. Made you think, yeah. Understand this is what you really wanted to do. Yes. And we're seeing that, you know, more and more every day now, obviously, in this age of Amazon and Jet.com being able to drive those kinds of solutions. And you, you kind of touched on that keyword, which is so important in my business of efficiency and the tools and resources you need to figure out how to get your stuff from point A to point B, which every business in some way has to do um, and do it efficiently. What are some of the tools I know that you offer that enables these businesses to compete with the likes of an Amazon and well, a jet.com? Well, and that, that's a good question too. And that, that also just kind of, I guess, to back up a little bit on some of the other uh, questions that, that will roll into that. You know, one of, one of the other things like during 
the early 2000s and then going into the latter half of the 2000s into you know the last seven years um, has really been tons of disruption within the transportation industry because of the likes of uh, e-commerce, um, which also has to do with, of course, your, your Amazons of the world and Walmarts of the world. Um, and then just the sheer growth in e-commerce and how consumers behave today and how they shop and so on. Those, those are things that again, drive, you know, some of the passion and, and keep it fresh and keep it challenging as well. Um, and that's one of the things that, that I, that I do like about UPS being a 110 year old company is we're, we're not sitting on our laurels. We're innovating and constantly looking to say what else we can do to help adapt to the changing consumer environment and business world that's out there today. Um, so that, that is a very interesting dynamic within the industry right now. And it's extremely disruptive right now. Um, if you pay attention to logistics at all in the news or anything, I mean, obviously I'm biased and look at that stuff every day, but, um, there's so much going on. There's so many new companies popping up. Everyone's trying to solve last mile delivery, uh, including your Amazons and your jet.coms, um, which is also causing a lot of smaller startup, innovative companies, new technologies coming into the mix, um, that are driving to solve that, uh, new dynamic and customer behavior. Yeah, door-to-door -door service in, in a few hours. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, how is that affecting you guys? The same day, you know, same day delivery is big. Um, uh, it, it, it affects us in a couple different ways. I mean, number one, it, it challenges us to, to try and figure out how to, how to manage that uh, with some of these smaller companies coming up. Obviously, they're not, they don't have the ability to scale right off the bat. Um, so we're, we're looking at those things and it's causing us to change and make some different investments in, in companies and so on. Like we've, we've got a strategic investment that we did a couple of years ago with a company called Delive, which is a same day, uh, company across the U S. Um, so things like that is how we're kind of keeping our finger on the pulse of, of what's going on. And what about my favorite drones? Oh yeah. <laughs> what are we doing with the world of drones? You know, are we going to have this whole world where they're just flying over our heads, dropping packages? Yeah. Everywhere? There's, there's a lot of regulations that still have to take place and policies that got to be vetted through in order for that to happen. But, um, we're not in the media as much as Amazon is from a drone perspective, but we are full on, uh, testing drones. We're, we're testing drones in a, a couple different ways. Um, we're partnered with uh, a, a company in, in Africa, actually, from a humanitarian perspective, uh, where they're using some of our technology. We're sharing technology across that space where they're able to use drones and deliver to some remote areas like vaccines and um, a lot of those things they need. They need blood samples and, uh, and it's very difficult to travel across the land over there um, and can take, you know, hours, if not days, where a drone can can do it much quicker and, and drop supplies there fast. Um, we just tested it with uh, a hurricane in, in Houston. We did some some drone testing over there. And then from a package perspective, um, we've also uh, tested drones. Uh, there's actually a video on YouTube with the UPS drone delivery. It's actually, it's actually pretty awesome um, the way that they do it because it shows the full package car uh, outfitted with the drone. Um, on top of the roof and how it works and, and everything else and how we plan to at least test it to utilize it in What's rural, the rural weight? areas. What's the weight? That Your the weight restrictions on them? Yes, on that. Um, it's a good question. I don't know that off the top of my head, um, but there's definitely weight restrictions based on based on the capability of the drone, of course. So 
But you still have your your. I, I believe the FAA restrictions in the U.S. right now are still you have to have the drone within line of sight, which poses a number of issues from a delivery perspective, right? So. Right. Yeah. And even the logistics, I don't know that I fully get it. At what point does a drone pick it up and what are the restrictions on how far it can go and where it can right, drop exactly. and where, where am I, if I'm not a home or residence and like a big building, like what are we going to do in certain cities? Are you dropping it on top of an apartment building? And like, if that's going to come. It, well, it, my curiosity would be more like, is it computerized in sense of this is going from A to B and it goes automatically there, like those self-driving cars. No, that's that's exactly what it is. And that's, I mean, and you see that in our our video that you've got, you see, I mean, it's basically the drones inside the package car, but at the top, um, and the driver would go into the back, put the package in the drone, and it would program its destination. And then, so while I'm delivering this, again, rural usage, right? You know, you think of, you know, rural USA farms and that kind of stuff. Um, If I've got to deliver five packages and Three of the farms are are all in line and are efficient for me to deliver to, but I've got one that's five miles off the route that that's going to cause me to basically not be as efficient as I can. I can go deliver these three and launch the drone to go deliver the other one, and the drone comes back and meets up with me on my route at at a, at a different point from which I launched it at. That is neat. I mean, in order to obviously manage and navigate all that, it probably takes an incredible amount of technology and data. And I know I've heard that UPS considers itself kind of an industrial engineering company, first and foremost. And how does that play in? And what are some of the data and tech tools that you have developed to to do this? It's so interesting. That's a good question. This isn't necessarily related to the drones, but more related to how how do we currently optimize routes and everything. Mm -hmm else within our normal delivery network. Um, And one of the things that we've worked on for a very long time, probably since early 2000s, um, is a program called Orion, O-R-I-O-N. And that is an acronym that stands for On-Road Integrated Optimization and Navigation. So that's been developed for a very long time and is extremely significant within our network. Um, and it ut- utilizes, you know, telematics and very complex algorithms um, that that helps us optimize routes. And and it's already saved us over a uh, hundred million miles per year by utilizing that and optimizing our routes. And you can imagine with the number of delivery vehicles that we've got on a daily basis out there, one mile per delivery vehicle is a lot of miles. Wow. I did manufacturing and uh, one of my, my, my jobs were the logistics part of it. And it was just from a point A to point B and it was so complicated. I wouldn't even know where to go when, when, when you integrate all these other parts. But, um, what is the challenges that they find with that, um, Orion? Do they, is there any? It's, I would say the, the only challenge is really is how do you implement that type of technology and change within, you know, an existing infrastructure and, you know, train all of your employees to utilize it the way that it's designed to be utilized. Um, those would be probably your biggest challenges is how do you, how do you launch that and get it fully deployed uh, as quickly as possible because the impacts of it are so, so great that you want it as, as fully deployed as possible. But at the same time, you don't want to deploy it too fast because then you're not going to learn from it and 
can make mistakes in different things. Right. And, and beyond the Orion tool, are there? I think I, I know that there are other tools, especially for startups and, um, you know, anyone looking to find out more information on customs and duties and taxes that you, you can go online to ups.com and there's traceability and other tools that really give you all this information in this kind of complicated landscape that's hard for especially for startups and emerging companies to navigate right. um, and figure out. Well, and we just re we actually because of that we 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 just revamped our entire website ups.com um, to try and be more friendly and user centric. Uh, so we're still working through through that but that that's new that's out there as well. Um, and then, yeah, from a, a tools perspective, it's it's you talk about international and customs. Um, UPS number one is one of the largest brokerage firms in the in the world. Uh, we broker a lot of packages, not just UPS packages, uh, in through customs in in a number of countries. Um, and we have a lot of tools because really, when when you get to that point with international, and as you say, it's complex. Uh, every country has different rules and regulations on the types of products, what they can be made of, where their origins come from, uh, so on. It gets it gets very difficult, and there's uh, hundreds of thousands of harmonized codes that you need to be aware of and put on, and duties and taxes that are associated with all of that, um, that if you're selling specifically to a consumer in another country, you don't want to surprise that consumer with you know unwanted fees and different things in order for them to receive their package because a lot of times they, they'll, they'll – um, they won't even accept the package if, if they've got to pay duties and taxes on the other end that they don't know about. Um, so there's tools that we've got um, that help determine within the shopping cart when you're checking out on like an e-commerce site, um, uh, fully landed cost, right? And fully landed cost means not only the cost of shipping and the cost of the product, but cost of duties and taxes to get it into the country that you're shipping it to. So the, the best practice there is utilizing those tools to create that type of um, communication with the with the consumer at the point of purchase creates a much better customer experience uh, and and a much more efficient uh, <laughs> delivery process would it also give you the paperwork needed to enter into the countries oh yeah absolutely so there's there's a number of things um, a number of softwares do it including our our shipping software uh, that that gives you all of the detailed information from a customs invoice perspective um, and then we've even automated that to where you don't even have to print it out you used to have to print out all the customs invoices and you'd have three to six copies attached to the box, you know, just to get through customs. Now that can all be automated and electronically transmitted to where it's, you just basically you have a barcode that you put on the outside of the box that that identifies the customs paperwork that's electronically transmitted. And wow. sent and pre-cleared, which I know has been amazing yes. for my e-commerce business and as a startup Absolutely. To, to getting those goods from point A to point B. Yeah. When we come back, you'll hear about how UPS is making this really interesting, complex, comprehensive data useful for all types of businesses back after this. Hey, everybody, this is Vikram Iyer, former advisor to President Barack Obama. Have you been opening your Twitter account or Facebook feeds or even just talking to families and friends and wondering what the heck is going on in this country? Well, it's not as bad as you think, but we're going to unpack that for you. Join me 
at the American Enough podcast on the Mount Media Network as we unpack the policies, executive orders, and daily kerfuffles that are shaping not just this administration, but the modern face of America's politics. Episodes available at AmericanEnoughPodcast.com and everywhere the best podcasts are found. Find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Material Biz Show. That's Material B-I-Z Show. And hear all of our episodes on MaterialIsYourBusiness.com and everywhere the best podcasts are found. Okay, Jason, we were talking about all the incredible data and technology that UPS is developing. Yes, how are you training your consumer? to look up or understand this um, information that it's all provided to them and market to them? Uh, that's a very good question. And it's it's not necessarily a training the consumer, right? It's almost like the, the industry is creating its own training in itself and what the consumer expects. And really what it comes down to, it's almost training the businesses that the consumer is their customer, right? How do, how do they create the best customer experience possible for, for the consumer? Um, as it relates to shipping and what the consumer expectations are. So we do a couple things. We do um, we do a pulse of the online shopper every year. We've done that for the last five years, I believe. Um, and that is looking at and uh, asking consumers about their behavior online. Uh, and not necessarily as it relates to shipping, but more uh, how do they navigate online versus in store, uh, are they shopping on mobile, tablet? Are they doing their desktops? Um, how many are shopping at brick and mortar? How many are not shopping at brick and mortar? How often are they, they shopping? What service options do they like to see? Uh, do they like free shipping? Do they like threshold shipping? Um, different things along those lines. And time and transit, of course, comes into play as well. How quickly do they want to get it or need to get it? So that's, that's a study that we do that we publish uh, publicly as well. Uh, and a lot of that is again, back to the business versus the consumer to help the business understand some of the consumer behaviors. Um, and a couple of things that, that we've done, uh, essentially listening to the market and listening to the consumers and, and what their expectations are and how they're evolving, um, is we've come out with two, two different consumer tools uh, that were actually two of our first consumer products ever. Right, because typically we we work directly with businesses, and that's who our customer is. Um, and with the commerce, that has shifted quite a bit. Right, consumer has really become a, a big component of our customer. So one of those options is a, a product called UPS My Choice, um, and that allows it's basically a free member based service that you can sign up that a consumer any consumer can sign up for online. Um, and you set up some preferences. It says, I like notifications via text, via email, so on. Um, goes through a security protocol to make sure you are who you say you are and you live where you live. Uh, and then once you're set up in that, you essentially get anything that's shipped to you via UPS, whether you ordered it or not, you will get a notification 24 hours before that package is delivered to notify you that you've got a package coming. Um, and also gives you a four-hour delivery window of when that potential driver is going to be delivering the package. Um, and then it also gives you the option at that point as well to manage how you receive that package. 
So if you're not going to be home and you know you're not going to be home and you're in, if you're in an apartment without a doorman or you're at a location that we're not going to release the package for whatever reason, if you're not there, um, you have the ability to say, no, don't deliver it to my house, you know, hold it, I'll come pick it up or deliver it to my neighbor. Or if you are going to release the package, you can say as a consumer, put it behind the gate on the right side of the house, right? Or put it behind the planter. You can define where UPS is going to leave that package. Um, We've got customers that if you live in a gated community that give the give UPS the gate code to get into the community, customers that will give you the garage door code to put the package inside the garage, um, a lot of different things. Now, and then back to the earlier conversation on technology, Orion is part of that that makes that happen and makes those communications uh, available to us and, and enables us to be able to do that. Um, so, and then one more thing. So the second uh, option that we just came out with in we launched it in 2014 is UPS Access Point, which is utilizing uh, small boutique businesses within neighborhoods that that are that are open have have hours that are that are open longer into the night, 8 p.m. at night, open on the weekends, and if you're not home, I can deliver the package to that access point. And you can just pick it up when you get home from work rather than getting the sticky note on your door and having to figure out how to be home the next day when we come back and try again. Right. right? So that that has been uh, yes. that has been very successful. Um, and we also just launched lockers that that do the same thing. And basically, it's just a, not a business. It's just a standalone locker that we can deliver the package to. You can go there and use your My Choice app that goes on your phone, scan your barcode, pops open the locker where your package is and you grab your package and go. So custom shipping. Yes. But you, t- so you touched a little bit on the report you're delivering about consumer preferences. And I just wonder, I mean, we're in such an age of, I want it yesterday and I want it sent to me for free. And now I can customize exactly where and how it's delivered to me. So where do you go from there? What is the future going to look like and, and what kind of changes are we going to see? Or have you already been predicting in consumer behavior? What does it mean? Um, yeah, I mean, you, you try to predict, right? You try to forecast and, and innovate based on what, what you see the, the trends looking like from that perspective. Um, and that's where you get into a lot of what we were talking about before um, with your same-day delivery um, or your, your access point or your my choice or, you know, how do you create things that, that um, create, uh, you know, that, that meet the consumer's need from that perspective. Um, and that's where your, your drone delivery comes in. Um, so those kinds of things come in, come into play there. Also, when you look at how consumers are shopping right across the mobile spectrum um, and desktop spectrum, you know you are seeing uh, significant increases in mobile activity and mobile shopping versus desktop or tablet. Even tablets actually going down and mobiles going up. Mm-hmm. And then desktop is still desktop laptop um, still very significant, but not as not as prominent as it used to be. But you're really seeing a big push on the mobile side. So part of that, how we translate that back into a business perspective and business training and how we work with our, with our customers is making sure they understand that and, and saying, what, what does your mobile website look like? Is, are you optimized for a mobile website? How's your browsing capabilities on there? Can, you, can your customers order from there? Because here's our consumer information showing that more and more customers are going that route and it's convenient and they like it. Yeah. Or you know, shopping. If you if you don't if you're a business online and you don't have an on uh, a mobile app for your store, 
then that's a big issue as well because that's really probably from a preferential perspective from a consumer it, it's the app is way better than just randomly finding your website on on a Google search browser. Oh, sure. And the checkout process we know has to be right. so as close to one click as possible, though, and, and simple and clear and transparent with what those costs are. Absolutely. And I, I know um, UPS is wonderful. They spend a lot of time with startups, I know a lot in New York, including Casper, um, to be able to make that process as easy and efficient as possible. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I know I always had this dream, like, of where instead of struggling to get goods from China here in, like, a cost-effective, time-effective manner, that ultimately we could all source and buy and shop locally and that everything you need, which may or you may or may not know about, or is right around you and how we can move that quicker. And I guess from a sustainability perspective, uh, that would be really powerful. I know that UPS does some amazing work in sustainability and just wonder if you can touch a little bit on the initiatives that you guys do. Okay. Well, and as you can imagine, being a transportation company that's uh, near and dear to our heart, <laughs> um, we we have to be socially responsible from that perspective, and that that's also uh, definitely embedded in the culture of the company. Uh, and that that was started from Jim Casey, who was the founder of the company 110 years ago. Um, you know, we have Casey Foundation. We do tons tons of things on the uh, humanitarian side, community side. Uh, we've got a program right going right now, our goal right now of, of reaching 20 million volunteer hours by 2020. Um, we've also are, are doing uh, a goal from a sustainability with trucks and fuel and all of that, uh, where our goal is to have one in four vehicles that we purchase between now and 2020 is an alternative fuel vehicle. We currently have 8,500 alternative fuel vehicles in our fleet. Um, we also just announced in September uh, that we partnered um, with uh, Daimler Trucks, uh, which is they're coming out with uh, battery-powered vehicles. Um, we're the first U.S. company to take advantage of that. We're taking on three of those vehicles and, and testing those in certain areas as well. So big, 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 big uh, things on the on the vehicle side from a perspective of you know how do we manage and reduce fuel and reduce our impact on on the environment and the communities that we serve. And you control as well, right, whether you can make a left-hand or right-hand turn. And oh, yeah. that has saved, as I understand it, an incredible amount of yeah. just by making that one simple thought process oh, yeah, change. And, and that goes back to what we were talking about with Orion. And Orion, again, is, is huge on reducing mileage and reducing fuel and emissions output and so on just by making the routes more efficient. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a big deal. Yeah. That's, that's kind of like almost everyone knows that that term with UPS is that UPS doesn't make left-hand turns or we're not supposed to. Right. So because it's more efficient and really from a safety perspective, um, it's extremely safer because I believe, I, I don't know what the percentage is, but the percentage of an accident on a left-hand turn is significantly higher than a percentage of an accident on a right-hand turn. So and you guys were making these sustainable initiatives way before it was even now the power that it is in the, the consumer conscious that's out there. I wonder also if you can touch a little bit. I know you have some options in terms of the materials and packaging of what you can use and that it's recycled. And it's a, I believe you can check now if you want to pay an additional dollar and used all recycled materials. Is that right? Yeah, there's there's a couple things that we've been doing on that front. And we started that uh I believe before 2010, but we essentially came out with it because we started on the sustainability side uh, 
about the 2000 time frame, really starting to focus on that on ourselves as far as our own our own impact on the environment. Um, and what we've done is we've said, OK, well, here's what we're doing with ourselves. How come we can't translate that into the supply chains of our customers as well? So we came out with um, some sustainability products for our businesses that we can assist with. Um, so one of those products is called Carbon Neutral which is uh, a way for you, you you have an option of saying i want to make this shipment a carbon neutral shipment and for 50 cents a package on the ground side and i think for air it's a dollar because jet fuel is more expensive than ground fuel um, you can essentially ship it carbon neutral and what we do is we take the emissions impact of that one package and then we reinvest those funds into i think there's four primary uh, sustainability projects across the globe that we then reinvest that into. And of course, it's all fully certified and everything else. Um, so that's one area. Um, the other thing is um, from a reusable packaging, you know, we've got a letter that's a green letter where, you know, it's got the strip you take off and you stick it and you send the, send the letter. And when the person gets it on the other end, they can flip it around and reuse it to send it again. So you're using that letter twice instead of once. Um, and then, of course, using recycled materials in those products as well. But so that's one thing. The other thing that we do is uh, we've also got our solutions team that can actually come in and do a um, mitigate manage process within your supply chain where we look at your supply chain and look how you're currently getting products from your manufacturer to supplier, distributor, all the way to the end consumer. Um, do the analysis to say, here's what your existing carbon output is, and then make recommendations on where you could reduce some of that, right? Uh, for example, if you use rail, the train, right, versus a tractor trailer going across the country, there's a significant reduction in fuel. So you guys will come in and can do that audit and analysis on yeah. the supply chain? That's incredible because I know so many of these big companies now have these corporate directors of social responsibility and they have these mandates to use sustainable materials and sustainable supply chain processes, but they don't know where to go and what to do. And uh, it's not all readily apparent how to make those changes. And obviously right. companies like Caring are doing a great job in publishing how at the end of the day, it also improves your bottom dollar, right? Right. Oh, absolutely. Um, you're more efficient. You're saving on money and gas and shipping costs. It's good for your customer. It's good for you. Well, and a lot of a lot of the the larger companies, right, that have uh, a little bit more power and can demand from their customers how they get their products and goods and store them, and you know, from a supplier perspective, um, are mandating in their supplier scorecards a certain level of sustainability, right, in order for you to supply goods to them, right. So Walmart would be an example of that. Um, you know, or, or Macy's or one of some big retailers that, you know, a lot of smaller suppliers want want their products on their shelves. Those larger companies are requiring certain levels of sustainability from those companies in order for them to carry their products, which is good. That helps everybody all around. So you would do an analysis on to the products, you know, how you can save more and give them a report as in if they are producing so much and shipping out so much, they're going to save this much. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. And then you go through a certain process and you uh, ultimately, the, the point of the, of the analysis is to say, here's what you currently look like. Here's some changes you can make. And if you make these changes and do X, Y, and Z, you'll get to a carbon neutral supply chain, right? To where anything that you're impacting the environment with from uh, an emission standpoint, you are offsetting in some form or fashion or changing how products move within your supply chain. 
So there's a requirement from a corporation that's asking, you have to do it this way. You can help them with the paperwork and yes, of providing them. Exactly. That's actually and then, amazing. And then the other thing is that we've also got uh, UPS Package Lab uh, in Chicago, Illinois, that uh, we have an eco-packaging uh, program with. So we can send their package there. You can say, I want my packaging to be eco-friendly and certified as eco-friendly and then make those changes and have the client have that. And then you get, you know, you get some marketing with that and you're able to say, I, I use eco-friendly packaging. Um, and that's, that's becoming significantly more important to the consumer as well. Um, we see a lot of feedback now um, in social and everything else. Uh, when you have a company that sends a really big box you know, I got a, a tube of toothpaste inside a, a you know, a, a one cubic box is like it's way too big of a box sure. for that, right? So you're using more material than you need to use to to move that that product from point A to point B. Um, so that can help reduce, you know, the, the recommendations there would be, you know, make it a smaller box, do this type of material, packaging material um, that's fully recyclable and certified and, and so on. So that you then have an eco-friendly, eco-friendly packaging, and with with uh, the other industry that's growing like crazy right now, where that is very important, is your like subscription service, perishable foods, you know, like your Hello Freshes of the world, uh, Blue Aprons, the packaging that they've got to use in those to make sure that the product stays cold and cool. You know, it's a lot of styrofoam, a lot oh, of yeah. gel packs and ice packs and all of those kinds of things. Uh, those companies uh, need to be extremely. Uh, sensitive to, to that type of packaging. Does a company have to be a, a, a particular size to be able to utilize those services? No. Or, okay. No. I mean, there's, you know, they're fee-based services, obviously, because there's people doing work and certifying and all those kinds of things. But yeah, no, you don't have to be a certain size. So you've just heard from Jason how you can compete or at least start to compete with Amazon and save some money as well as do good for people and planet. What kind of partnerships and relationships is UPS looking at um, or could they potentially be looking at to leverage and, and use that information in other ways other than just for the shipping? So we'll be back right after this. Hi, everyone. This is Mark Rako. I'm one of the hosts of Fashion Is Your Business, another great show on Mouth Media Network. If you like the podcast you're listening to, Material Is Your Business, then I bet you're going to love Fashion Is Your Business, which intersects fashion, technology, and innovation, and also American Fashion Podcast, which Harper's Bazaar calls for the true fashion nerd at heart. Both shows and a whole bunch of other great podcasts are all available at MouthMediaNetwork.com. And when you do listen, let us know you heard about them on Material Is Your Business. Thanks a lot. And now back to the show. So with all the data and tools and information that you're collecting, it, it, it's a lot about consumer behavior and activities and what people are doing and how they're shopping. What kind of partnerships and relationships is UPS looking at, um, or could they potentially be looking at to leverage and, and use that information in other ways other than just for the shipping? Um, and we've looked at a number of things from that perspective. As, as you know, I mean, obviously we're living in a, in a big data environment, right? Everyone's trying to solve for uh, how do we leverage the data that we've got available to us at the fingertips? Uh, and we're no different. We're, we're trying to, to look at that as well. 
uh, being sensitive to our customers' data as well is always the challenge um, because the amount of data that we've got is it's unbelievable, right? I mean, you think of all of the package data that we've got on a, in a given day is is incredible. Just to make sure that we can, our systems can communicate, we can pick up the package when we're supposed to pick it up, deliver it when we're supposed to deliver it, and make sure the, the consumer, the, the business has all of the visibility that they need to have within that process as well. Um, so those are, those are things that are, are definitely constantly being considered and looked at. And as you look at kind of the current political, social, economic landscape and obvious changes that may or may not happen in certain countries and parts of the world where we may or may not have tariffs and regulations come in, is that something that UPS is considering? And obviously it would have an impact on the business and in, in where things are going and coming from and where you need to have more presence and, and capacity to fulfill that need. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, and we work, we've got... Um, a number of people that, that work on the policy side as well from that perspective. And we're definitely keeping our, our pulse on that and looking at how we're going to react to certain, some of those things and or not react to some of those things. But um, that is an issue. So how can you impact that more? Well, when you look at e-commerce growth, right, which is really driving a lot of the, the data and the, the information that we've got, uh, and you look at some of the things that are going on within the industry and disruptions that are going on, and, and again, bringing it back to that last mile delivery piece, that that, that piece is discussed a lot, and there's uh, a lot of media on that as well. Uh, and, and there's a reason for that. The reason for that is, is because typically from a cost perspective within transportation, that last mile delivery is one of the most expensive parts of the delivery. Um, so that's why everyone's trying to solve for it. Because um, you can't have inventory in every single state across the entire United States. It just doesn't make financial sense. You, you, you're not going to have the cash to be able to hold that much inventory to be able to deliver to everyone at the same same day that they order the package. Um, obviously, that's where you know a lot of companies are trying to get to. You know, Amazon, for example, would be one that's setting up their network that that is designed to hit every U.S. address within a, a one or two day footprint. Um, so, and we're set up that way, very similar as well. Um, but taking that data and, and being able to use that data to help us solve for that, again, that comes back to UPS My Choice, uh, alternate delivery points, uh, access points, lockers. Amazon's got lockers. Post office has lockers. We got the lockers going out. Um, there's a lot of companies in that space trying to figure that out. They just announced uh, Amazon with the the doorbell videotape, where they're looking at being able to actually give the delivery driver the ability to go into the house and deliver the package in the house and come back out, you know, on video camera the entire time, of course. Uh, that'll be interesting to see how consumers react to that um, and if that takes off or not. Um, but those are things. When, when you really look at it, it's from a consumer perspective and the way that we look at it and try to revolve our data and some of the new technologies we're, we're coming out with. One thing you got to consider from our standpoint um, most of our business is still B2B, right? If you think about it, with everything going on with e-commerce and residential deliveries, we still are more, a higher percentage of B2B shipments and deliveries than we are residential. Now, for the first time in our history, uh, the, the estimated time frame is about 2019, the e-commerce or residential deliveries are going to trump and be a larger percentage of our business than the B2B piece is, uh, which is significant because that is 
a but more that, expensive one that you have to solve for. Sure. But that you find, is it because a lot of the people are starting businesses from home? Or do you think that's because it's just the way it's just turning direct um, from shopping, more direct, direct shopping on the it, on, on, It's online. more direct shopping is, okay. is what it is. Yeah. So it's, it's on the delivery end. It's where is it being delivered to, right? And if it's being delivered to a residence, then versus a business. So a residence, you're delivering, you think about it from our standpoint or delivery standpoint. Um, if I've got 100 packages, right, and let's say 99 of them are going to residences, I've got about, probably about a 1.2 delivery density on a residence, right? Which means that every residential stop I have, I'm delivering 1.2 packages, okay? Versus a commercial stop where typically I'm going to have three or four packages per commercial stop. So I'm more efficient with a commercial stop than I am with a residential shop stop. And I'm putting more miles on and more coming back to sustainability emissions into the air and, and so on using more fuel uh, as residential deliveries increase. So that's the dynamics that you're, that you're looking at there um, and why that shift is so important and why we got to keep an eye on it and try and figure out uh, new and innovative ways to satisfy consumer demand and how they want to receive packages and so on with that growth because it's not going to it's not going to slow down. Sure. No, as the mother of a, a two-year-old, I really appreciate now more than ever getting packages and and what I need diapers delivered on a schedule all the time to my home and not having to carry it through the streets. Absolutely. No, no, it's um, no, it's it's, uh, it's it's amazing in my house. It's my recycle bin is larger than my garbage bin with boxes yeah. and different things like that. It, it has definitely, my house has transitioned <laughs> 100%. So going a little bit into kind of the personal, um, obviously this is a, a, a very demanding job and something you've been doing for a while. What do you do in your free time to kind of unwind with family or friends or yourself? <laughs> uh, well, I have a wife. I have three wonderful boys. Um, that are across the age spectrum, 16, 12, and 5. Wow. Um, so, yeah, I got high school, junior high, and elementary all in the same household. So my house <laughs> is very loud, uh, to say the least. But um, So definitely spending time with them, trying to fit in family time wherever I can. Uh, ultimately, uh, you know, my personal passions are uh, outdoors. Fly fishing is, is probably one of my favorite things to do. Um, wow. Where do you go? Uh, here I go like up in the Catskills, go up there. I'm, I'm where I live. Actually, I'm, I'm five minutes away from a Creek or a lake or anything else that I can, I can fish at as well. And then there's tons of hiking trails. We do a lot of hiking as well outdoors. So do you bring your kids with you fly fishing or they're not quiet enough and it's not? <laughs> no, I have, I, 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 there's, it depends. So it depends on the situation. If I'm going like for me, then no. Cause I, I'm like a hundred percent solitary in it and like can't have any distraction. Um, but I do make time to go for fun as well. So, and, or just to go and relax and like, all right, I'm going to go, I'm going to take, you know, one or two of my, my sons and maybe show them how to do it. Or even not even taking fly fishing, but just, just give them a, a bobber and a worm and throw it out there and <laughs> catch some fun fish, you know, good activities. Yes. Is there anything in your bucket list that you haven't accomplished that you're looking into in the future? Personal or work-wise? Personal. Oh, personal. Oh, my goodness. Uh, travel would be probably the the biggest one. I would love to uh, to travel. It's gotten to a point. I've gotten to a point and I've evolved. And I think, and, and it's actually kind of a theme, I think, going around right now is uh, uh, rather than material, 
things, right? Looking at experiences. Yes. And so That's traveling cool. would be one of those things that, that I would absolutely love to do. I would love to travel the world and go visit different countries and and experience different cultures and, and so on. A lot more than what I have. Anywhere in particular you'd go? Uh, top of the list? Top of the list is Norway. And then like in Argentina or New Zealand would be like second, third. New Zealand is amazing. And New Zealand, Argentina. <laughs> see, now I, I'm, I'm, I've got a twist in there. Those are also very good fly fishing places. Ah, okay. <laughs> and yeah, I should have to do them all in one trip because it's so, the distance, they're so oh, close goodness, to each other. Yes. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. Both of them are like great places to go. <laughs> Thank you, Jason, so much for joining us. Uh, we really appreciate it. Thank How you. can uh, our listeners connect with you and with the business? Um, absolutely. If, I mean, obviously from a, a UPS My Choice perspective, I mean, that's a free membership. We've got 40, 40 million uh, consumers that are uh, UPS My Choice members, um, so that's that's an easy one, right? That's one way you can experience. Even if you're a business, I would I would recommend signing up because if you're selling to the consumer and your consumer is a My Choice member, you get to see what type of experience they're getting from that My Choice membership. Uh, that would be the biggest one. Uh, UPS.com. Um, there's a number of different pages out on, on UPS.com that is that are industry-specific, case studies with things that we've done with other companies from a sustainability standpoint to supply chain optimization, uh, different things like that. Um, so those, those are... Can you give us a final thought, reflection, maybe some message to take away from your profession, from this interview, from your personal life? Um, yeah. So... I would say that one of the things that has always impassioned me with UPS um, is how we interact with our clients, right? And the goal and how we interact with our clients. We don't want to be a vendor. We don't want to be transactional. We want to be strategic partners with our businesses. Uh, and the goal with that is how do we bring solutions and efficiencies and different things to them and sit at their planning table with them to make them more efficient and better and be able to grow. Um, it is really what, what drives me in, in my job and why I get enjoyment for my job. That's great. Efficiency, growth, words we all, we all need and want in our business and personal and professional lives. So thank you very much. Really appreciate it. And for Samantha Cortez, adios. I'm Stephanie Benedetto. Go change the world, everybody. Thank you for listening. Back next time on Material Is Your Business. This has been Material Is Your Business. To suggest guests or content for the show or to become a sponsor, email us at podcast at materialisyourbusiness.com. Keep up with the show on social media at Material Biz Show. That's Material B-I-Z Show. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, materialisyourbusiness.com. Produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2017. All rights reserved. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. Thank you for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.